and welcome back to the Gaming Podcast Live. I'm your host, Mia Byte, and we're here every two weeks to talk gaming stories, news, and gossip with your favorite content creators. Now, every podcast, I'm joined by an awesome guest host, and today, once again, because it's DigiPride, and because, you know, we love him, we know him, we love him, he's, he's the cool guy at Gaming Mag, it's the lovely Robin Gray. Yeah, yeah. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm good. Do you? I'm exhausted. Honestly, I like I've I've been sick the last couple of weeks and it is not finished yet. I don't know what happened. I think I came back from TwitchCon and I was fine. And then and then I just felt terrible for like the 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 just like a baseline of being awful, like all the way through. <laughs> Um, the delayed con lurgy. Yeah, delayed con lurgy, but like I, I, I didn't. Which does sound like an Italian dish. <laughs> delayed con lurgy. I'd, I'd rather not be tasting the delayed con lurgy, <laughs> personally. Uh, <laughs> chef, take it back to the kitchen, please. I don't want it. So if I seem a little bit groggy today, that is probably why. I'm going to try and like keep the energy up, though. Um, but it's one of those things where it's just like I just like have low energy all the time right now, and like I'm constantly congested. But mm. I just don't know what it is, and I haven't taken a COVID test yet because I, I'm I'm too 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 scared to at this point. Well, and they cost money in the UK now, and they do. Well, so. technically, I'm I'm immunocompromised, so I can get them for free. So, well, yeah. you still have to order them anyway. Enough of the politics. Yes. What? Po- <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. All right. The politics. The politics. Um, yes, I mean, look, I'm I am super hyped for this episode being on tabletop. Our tabletop special. It is. It's um, our tabletop special. It's amazing. We had a great episode with it last year. We had a fantastic chat with Jeremy. Uh, I'm so, so happy that he's back. Um, we are honored to have someone sort of very, very senior from D&D with us almost in the building. Uh, he's on his way in just a little while. Uh, but before we get started, just a quick reminder for those of you um, joining us live, you can interact with us right here on the Twitch chat uh, or in a very special place on the gaming magazine Discord. And of course, don't forget, you can keep up with all the latest news, comings and goings with Gaming Magazine at GamingMag.com, G-A-Y-M-I-N-G, Mag.com. Mm-hmm. And of course, once more, things are a little bit different on the podcast today because it's currently DigiPride. Pro- I don't know what happened there. It is currently DigiPride. It's the Lurgy. It's the, it's the, it's the <laughs> delay con Lurgy. Again, take it back. It is currently DigiPride across all of gaming, isn't it? It is indeed. And you can go and check out everything we've got on, everything that's been and everything that is still to come at DigiPride, uh, at DigiPride, at, on DigiPride. You got me at it now, uh, at gamingmag.com slash DigiPride. Uh, what did they let us have a podcast? What is this? What is this? I don't know. I don't know. But we're here. We're going, we're here. We're queer and we're, and we're just getting on with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But it also means that today we have two special uh, guests because it is a tabletop special and there there are going to be some some amazing guests on the podcast today who's the first one it absolutely is and yes i was about to say um i've alluded to the fact we're joined by the wonderful jeremy crawford a little bit later on but to start off off uh we are joined by the wonderful creator behind the the award-winning adventuring with pride supplemental series uh the fantastic jack dixon hello Sorry, I'm. I don't oh, have an applause button, so I am the applause yeah. button. 
Uh, need a, need a soundboard. You really do. I suggested a clap button, but it didn't come across right. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I am definitely here. I'm very tired. But I'm yeah. good. <laughs> I'm good. It's a general feeling. Uh, this is going to be an amazing podcast, by yeah. the way. Uh, if you're if you're listening or watching to this, you can you can already tell this is going to be great. We've, well, I've already, so the title of it is Gaming Podcast. We're all a bit tired. Yeah, just, We're all a bit tired. It's, yeah, It's a Sunday, you know. We're Brits, we're Brits on a Sunday evening. We're just all a bit tired. It's, it's been really warm today. We don't do well in the warmth. That's so, true. It's been way too hot. We're to avoid the weather chat again. But, uh, yeah. I, it's getting hot. It's the Gaming Mag, Mag Podcast. This is what we do. We do weather chat. Yeah. We always do weather chat. It's it's one of the things that we we do. Uh, yeah, but you know what? Yeah, let's avoid the weather chat, even though it's been yes. way too hot for our little British souls to handle. Um, because instead, it's time for the weekly recap where we cover all the nerdy type stuff that we've been doing recently. But I'm going to let you go first, Robin, because I, I've been talking too much already and I need a drink. So. <laughs> Uh, things I've been doing. I've been out in the real world. I've been Ooh. doing sports or been watching <gasps> sports, sports in the, in the real world. I know. Very trying to lower the tone of a queer podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, w- but obviously, Commonwealth Games. Birmingham. Yes, yeah. Birmingham has been hosting the Commonwealth Games uh, or the Invasion Games or the <laughs> the uh, the Domination Games or whatever you want to phrase that. Um, the post-colonialism but, uh, games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The the sorry about that. Yeah. Sorry games. Um, but no, I was at the Athletic Stadium the other night. That was really cool. I was at the Cricket Today. That's really cool. Um, wonderful watching some queer athletes out in the wild as well. Um, so it's all good to see. Very positive. Um, and of course, we've been running um, our Pride House activation, uh, our gaming arena at Pride House, a big celebration of queer games that people can come and try. Well, they could have. It's finished now. Um, but that they could have come and tried out. Um and a wonderful esports panel that we had with uh, fantastic people like Stresscasts and Captain Fluke and, and that sort of thing as well. So that was that was really cool. And you might see little bits of that cropping up uh, in the near future TBC this coming week. Uh, what have I been playing? Um, so Nintendo had a sale. It's very rare for Ooh. Nintendo to have a sale, but Nintendo had a Dangerous. sale on, it's dangerous to have on a sale. their Switch multiplayer stuff. And there's like 80% off the Wait, remaster of... 80% off? That's crazy. Need for, need for speed, hot pursuit. Oh, okay. That's um, not like... Okay, oh, yeah. Yeah. You had to be excited. Yes. You had to be excited. Why do I do this? Why do I do this podcast? Just to admit how shit I am at awful games. Um, but no, so I, that's... I it, Look, it was £6, so I just grabbed it. You know um, what? That's that's a decent price for Need for Speed, it hot was, pursuit. It was retro, and it was my... I used to play it at uni, and it kind of had a little bit of a soft spot because I quite like being the police and sort of smashing people up. <laughs> Um, it's so weird that you say it's retro and you used to play it at uni because I I remember selling that game when I worked at the video game store. So now I just feel old at this I'm point. I'm 36. So. Um, I, I've been watching somebody else play Stray. Uh, I can't get my boyfriend off from playing Stray. That sounded slightly weird. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I also played Stray. What did you think? Couples counseling for another day. Um. Uh, look, the, the opening part of it was one of the saddest moments in video game history where poor kitty cat fell down and had a limp. It was yeah. so sad. <laughs> so sad. Um, and and with and almost immediately our new kitten, uh, four months old, was up on the TV stand pouring at the screen watching oh. the cats play. Hell yeah. uh, and then took a fantastic photo of her in action um, that was then put on Twitter and was then kind of cribbed by someone as a featured image for some digital magazine somewhere 
Um, so she's an influencer already at age four. Um, what else have I been doing? I don't know. What else have I been doing? I haven't been playing many games because, you know, life, busy, etc. Um, we've got exciting news coming out uh, in a couple of days' time about our, fun, our very exciting gaming live that's happening in September. Yeah. So there's three days of back-to-back planning for that. That's been really busy. Um, I'm probably going to stop about there. Okay. Okay. Well, I also that's, played. That's my random, random catch up. Okay. Of, so, uh, wobbling. A lot of what I've been doing is being sick and doing taxes. So, we won't talk about <laughs> that because that Please, was. We don't need that. No. That not, was, yeah, it was again. like getting back from TwitchCon, getting my taxes sorted before the cutoff date, and then being like, oh, now I'm sick. Um, that might have had something to do with that, actually, like going around the clock and, and working on tax stuff. Now that I'm thinking about it. But besides that, I actually played like some some games. I did some games. I played Stray. That was fun. Um, very much felt like an early 2000s PC game. Like uh like I, I guess I could probably relate it to something like um uh American McGee's uh like Alice, yeah. that Alice in Wonderland game, in terms of like how it controls and how it feels with the environments. It just felt like a very mid early early yeah, to mid two thousands kind of platformer. It's not the sharpest, um, no. And I, but I think yeah, I think for what it is, I don't it, think that's it, a bad thing. They, by the way, not at all. Pardon me. Um, I I love the fact people are modding it already. Yeah, uh, the fact you can you can there's an artist out in the world that you can commission to have your cat <gasps> modded into Stray. So that's amazing. That is fantastic. What? But I'll 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 raise you one better. Uh, somebody modded Inspira the Dragon. Yes. As- yes, I've seen that one. <laughs> and it just, it's so apt. Like the animations are so good for it because, like, it's just taking like cat animations. But since they already modeled a lot of Spyro's movements on cats and other, you know, mm-hmm. bi, not bipedal. What is it? When I mean, you've got four quadruped, quadruped uh, animals, like it fits so I well. I know science. Yeah, I don't. You can tell. <laughs> <laughs> just me being my ex um, self. So I I just I but I, lo- I love the with the game you can just go around and sort of like just generally fucking shit up. Yeah, um, just being a havoc to robots. It's just, just you're a chaos gremlin. It's great. Yeah, I could be the asshole uh, cat that my cat is. Yeah. It's great. Absolutely. <laughs> Buttons no, just to jump up and knock stuff off shelves and knock paint cans off. It's just delightful. I like how like some elements that did work into gameplay, like with with certain like little puzzles and unlocks and things. But I felt like. It was really, it was a really weird experience because I was, I can't remember who I was talking uh, to about this, but it, it would like go through stages of just being like super, super easy and casual. And then all of a sudden you'd have like a, a chase sequence or a stealth section. It'd be like, get the difficulty would just ramp up to, to like a hundred straight away. So it's like, in terms of, of the experience of the game, I compl- I really did enjoy it. I completed it. I only missed a couple of those damn um, music. I think I missed like one music sheet somewhere, but I got everything else in the game. And uh, it was a really enjoyable experience. So I absolutely uh, loved the game. And I want to see more like that in the future. It's like kind of gave me that wave of nostalgia from like those old kind of games I've been playing. Um, So uh, I also played Escape Simulator. Did you know what Escape Simulator is? I assume it's a simulator of escape rooms. It is a simulator of escape rooms. It's like little tiny uh, puzzle rooms you can play cooperatively. So me and some friendos got together and uh, I proved that I have the biggest brain in the room uh, at all times. Um, I'm dumb, but, you know, 
when it comes to escape rooms, I love like puzzles. I literally, I just, I absolutely like love doing like little puzzle things and stuff. So mm. when it comes to like logic puzzles in escape rooms, usually I, I click on quite quickly. I'm like, okay, so that's for that. And that goes there. And this is how that works. Mm. Like you see, because uh, they're, they're themed in this particular game escape room. There's different areas. There's one like themed around a space station. There's one themed around like an old mansion, like a family mansion. There's one themed around like Egypt. And so... Instantly, I'll load into a level. I'll see some clear pyramids with some like golden globules inside. I'm like, well, clearly you have to count the globules, and that's exactly what you have to do. At least to like, um, no spot. No, you're not going to remember this anyway if you do play it. But it, it it's like numbers are for a <laughs> combination I'll, that are like I'll right be next sat to there it. Going, oh damn you, Mia! Now you know the solution. Yes, <laughs> but um, absolutely, I love doing escape rooms. I've ever only ever done one in real life, but it, it really. It's really nice to have that cooperative kind of like we're all kind of like doing our own thing, but then we're trying to solve at the same time. And you can like pick up things and study them and look at them. But the nice thing about the game, too, is that the other people in the game can also look at the thing that you're looking at and study it at the same time. So it's not uh, like okay. you're, 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 kind of, you're hogging it. Yeah, you're not necessarily hogging it. They can't like take it off you or take it anywhere, but they can mm. at least look at the same information. So everybody's got the same information. That's I, cute. I did notice that though, we, we'd all kind of go off and do our own things. So there'd be puzzles that are being solved over on the other side of the room that I kind of felt like FOMO for because like I was doing oh. this one and solving it. And then by the time I got back, that one was solved. I was like, I didn't even interact with this puzzle. I don't know what it was about. And now, now I'm sad about that. I, I, I guess that's the, flip, that's the flip side of letting people play with all the puzzles simultaneously. Yeah. Is yeah. it kind of creates that you can just rush off and do that. Yeah. As a, so it was a fully kind of realized game. So obviously the, I'm guessing the stylings of it and it would look very cool. And the aesthetic was really cool. Um, I'm guessing. It's like, very like cartoony. So yeah. I, I'm assuming like the budget wasn't like the highest budget in the world. So I imagine it was an indie game. I'm pretty sure it was anyway from like an indie studio. I haven't done that many escape rooms. I've done two. And I've done one. Um, yeah, I've done so... <laughs> I love escape rooms. It's like every time, uh, every time I have like an anniversary or like something with my husband, we do an escape room because. Oh, yeah. I did one uh, right okay. before the pandemic and then the pandemic happened. And I was like, well, so, I'm not doing this for a while. Apologies in advance because I'm going to slate them. Um, <laughs> but, but no, not all of them. The, I think the problem is, is that it has to be really, really, really good to kind of immerse me into it mm -hmm. because if it, if it, if it's kind of if i have to and this is possibly where me and and tabletop it's a work in progress um but it's kind of like if it's like look at this expensive box of things like to shoebox and, and it's kind of like i'm just i'm just looking at it going to shoebox <laughs> it just I just kind of lose that. I guess, yeah. yeah mm. I, my budget-wise... It just sucks me out of that sort of space, and I'm just kind of looking at it going, I'm really bored now. So the one <laughs> um, that I did in Birmingham, it was really, like, cheap-looking. And, like, for me, it was less about, like, the escapism, because it was, like, something about, you know, stopping a demon from being resurrected. It was more about, here are the puzzles, do the puzzles, and, like, I'll get really excited about puzzles, just in general. This is something I've never so talked we did, about um, on the podcast before. We we did one in in Birmingham actually just before the I think it was just before the lockdown as well because mm. it was kind of it was all a bit novel of like oh oh let's we have to wash our hands isn't this hilarious um, and uh, we were sort of in yeah exactly it, it was uh, the NEC it was the Doctor Who one and <gasps> yeah, it was for I gaming we got in, I we got I invited to go out there to go and do mm. it um, 
with with I didn't I get an Matt invite. and I went. I you didn't, didn't get an invite. Neither did I. So you know. <laughs> I don't think I knew you then. Um, but still, but, I didn't get an invite. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, uh, was it called in Adventures in Time or, or something like that? Anyway, but it, that was really good in the sense that it was well styled. But good production quality from, from the, the production BBC. quality is excellent. Yeah, the, yeah. but but they, the puzzles the, the, the puzzles were a little bit uh, dry. A few of them were good. A few of them. What I was expecting was like connecting leads and and plugging shit in and and that sort of stuff but then one of them was like oh you had to here here's a draw with loads of different specimens of of stuff i can't remember what kind of what it was you literally had to put them in something and it was just like there's someone sat on the other side of this with a button isn't there um mm. and, it, and this is the problem the second my brain starts to kind of like see and peek behind the curtain my sort of like my attention was that oh no i'm just stood in a room at the NEC, not doing anything productive with my life. And, it, and it's that kind of like, I just sort of lose that. It must be that. incredibly fun to have a party, as I tell you what. Come <laughs> yeah. on. I was like, ooh. Right. <laughs> but, you want to I was, an adventure game? Yeah, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, this I was, is Coventry. Yeah, well, well. Um, I, I horrendously interested up until the point that it just sort of, the puzzle started to get a little bit weird. Um, yeah. And, and I think, I think we were overthinking things as well. Like yeah, massive, that does like, happen. The, the Gallifreyan text on the walls and all this sort of stuff. And in the end, it turned out to be you just had to put your hand in a hole or something. You, you start looking at like everything in the room, like this random block in the yeah. corner, like what is this going to have something to do with something? Yeah. It must mean something. And the, there's, us, the, the, there's, a, there's like, because um, of the lights and everything else on the floor, the, there was kind of like these panels on the floor that we hadn't seen light up by that point. Mm. And there's us jumping up and down like idiots on these panels. And the people on the... They must have been watching us on the CCTV going, what on earth are they doing? Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, that's... I will but, say. But the, so the idea of a video game escape room actually interests me because I think yeah. I'd get more connected. I'd get connected better with that. Yeah, I mean, like, I think you can play that one in VR as well. So that oh, would definitely, cool. like, immerse you a lot more in that particular mm. game. The fact that you can play it co-op too, really, really fun. Um... I heavily enjoyed it. What I really not liked, um, because I was doing it with some other people, once they had to go, I was like, well, I don't want to do any more of the official levels. They had like a Steam community created level thing, which is really nice. cool, because now you have literally like endless stuff to endless, do. Yeah. Um, and I played one which is like board game themed, <laughs> going back to the tabletop theme. Um and it was like 12 of the like the best creators on the platform had like come together to collab on doing like 12 different rooms. Some of them were amazing. Other ones I wanted to pull my hair out because it was so obtuse. Um <laughs> just just in general. There was a Catan room though. There's a settlers of Catan room. And I thought, this is so easy because I know the rules of Catan. Um that one of the people who worked on it actually came to the stream and, and talked to me while I was I was doing it. I was like, yeah, I love the Catan room. That was amazing. And they were like, yeah, um, it's funny because like, if you play Catan, that room's easy. If you have never played Catan, you have no idea what to do in that room. <laughs> like the logic just goes out the window because they don't really like explain the actual rules of the board game. Also, there's like a snakes and ladders one where you had like dice rolls on the bottom and you had to align the dice, the numbers on the dice to get to the end point in the perfect amount of moves while also utilizing the snakes and ladders, which you could click on the board and then turn between snakes and ladders. So that took me like a good 40 minutes to actually figure out that, you know, probably working backwards is the better idea here. And they definitely want you to go up and down at some point. Anyway, amazing experience. My brain just got... 
my brain's just gone off on what other board games you could do escape rooms for. Uh, operation. Well, there is a yeah, there was an operation <laughs> one actually. I had to like remove stuff from the body without setting off like the alarm and thing. And then I had to like put it on a board and do maths. A lot of it a lot of the stuff that in that particular escape room was a bunch of maths. I didn't like that. That was that was awful. Um Ticket to Ride. Ticket to if Ride you suffer from insomnia. That that'd be that'd be pretty cool. Well, I mean I, I you can see the thing. Okay, so I, I, me and Robin, I, I, hate, I hate Ticket to Ride. Really? Oh, <laughs> I've never played it. I tried to play it with Robin at a board game yeah. night. Funnily enough, I tried to at a board game night, and I think we got about two turns in before oh, we realized God. that nobody really understood fun. the rules. Nobody actually knew what was happening. And there were six of us sat around this table. Yeah. And in typical board game style that kind of frustrates me, it took longer to set up and explain the rules to everyone. And, and it was kind of like, we're, we're 45 minutes in and nobody's rolled a dice yet, metaphorically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of like, can we just get on with this? Um, and then two goes around with everyone arguing with each other. It's like, no one actually knows what we're doing. So we just threw it in the bin. Yeah, I remember us playing Uno a bunch of times instead. That was... Uh... Yeah, we went to Uno and... Uh, Uno's great for everyone. Cards Against Humanity. Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh... that's that's what it, that's what that's what our tabletop boiled down to. <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't in the weekly recap. That was in the months and months ago recap. So uh, months ago, months and months yeah, ago. To, to move on from from escapes escape simulator, absolutely fantastic. Go play it; it's fun. Um, yeah. I had my six year stream anniversary uh, last yes. week. So uh, Thursday, March six years on stream. Um, I did um, a little uh, Japanese puzzle that I bought, like in an IRL stream the day before. I opened a bunch of Pokemon cards because I hate myself and it's tax deductible <laughs> if I do it on stream. Um, <laughs> and then we played Hollow Knight. So it was, uh, it was, uh, it was a fun day. Uh, other than Cute. that, I've been watching a lot of movies because while I was doing my taxes, I was just trying to keep myself occupied. So... Um, Oh, uh, like I watched the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Those were uh, those were fun. I just tried to block out the, the whole Amber Heard Johnny Depp situation out of my mind. I hadn't seen the last two, so I'd seen the first trilogy, and then the last two I was just like, mm. yeah, yeah. I I don't remember the last two. I know I'd watched them, but mm. I don't remember them. Well, so I have Orlando Bloom in them, so I just didn't really care. Yeah, he was I, in the last one for like he? two seconds. Yeah, yeah. he was well, like at the very start and the very end of the last one. But it was they're very by the book. You need you need to have yeah. You need to have Johnny Depp. You need to have love interest. You need to have the young couple that's in love in every single film for some reason. In this one, it's a it's a it's a, a church guy and a mermaid for some reason. I was going to say, yeah, there's a, it's it's a, the hunky missionary. Yeah, the hunky missionary who gets dragged down into water and never seen again. Mm. Spoilers. By the way. That's a shame. Mm. I guess. Mm. Which is like they didn't explain. There's some plot threads that don't get no. explained in there. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, he's just under, he's just underwater. Yeah, ministering to fish or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Living his best fish life. Exactly. Yeah. I watched um a bunch more of the Orville. I'm telling you, I know cool. you don't necessarily think it's the most amazing thing in the world, but as somebody who's not like a massive Star Trek fan, who was like grown up visiting her dad every now and then, and then watching Star Trek when I'm there, completely out of order and like every now and then, the Orville mm. was fun. It was like a as a less serious version. It was the closest to say like lower decks let's say that i think i've said that before but like look i've always said i don't have a problem with the awful the problem i had with the awful 
um, is it kind of it can't make its mind up what it is. Like the the day it was announced that, mm. that Seth MacFarlane was going to do um, a Star Trek esque thing, I was like, I am here for it. It's satire. It's um, it's Galaxy Quest all over again, but in TV format. I am I am there with my seat pulled up. The problem is they go from kind of like the tonal they, they shift. They try to do real sci. It is they try to do real sci-fi, then drop a fart joke. Yeah, or, or they'll, or, they'll or make a bunch t- of like references about, too. You know, and, they're trying to figure out what a black hole is, and then while while making a a, a joke about Fanta or something about yeah, just, the, the, what, uh, I don't so understand what's happening. Can I tell you something that really got me? So I watched an episode which was about them opening a time capsule from like the 21st century. I think it's like from 2015, and one of the characters uses the information that they find on an iPhone to like recreate this person's life. And they're saying, yeah, this is a really like unique look inside like of a person's life and stuff. And they're acting like all this stuff out of the time capsule. They don't know what it is. But every other episode, they're making references to like songs that came out in like the 21st Mm -hmm. century or the end of the 20th century. And it's like, there's that massive disconnect there because you make all these references to stuff that's popular, like at the time or a few years ago. And you don't know what an iPhone is when it comes out of a time capsule. It's like they've got... I think it's like they've got two different writing teams. You've got the sci-fi writing team mm. that tries to write a good sci-fi story. And then you've got the joke team that comes in and just kind of tears some of that up and inserts a load of random jokes. That doesn't seem like the two are ever joining together. Yeah. And I think that was being always in my issue with that. It's like, I want to like it. I really do. <laughs> but But then I'm sort of like going, I don't know what's happening here. And now it's been kind of, it's been sullied a little bit because... The uh, the I don't want woke in Star Trek uh, sort of mafia that's out there at the moment because um, they were threatened by a female lead. I mean, they don't. Um, the, the, I don't want woke in anything uh, mafia. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- they they sort of declare that the Orville is the best new Star Trek, and it's like it really isn't. And you idiots, and <laughs> because it's obviously got a white man in charge of it. They actually than... have a, a whole storyline in that which talks about like well there's trans there's like a yep. whole transgender race thing yep. and there's like uh misogyny and like a misogynistic race too yep. and like how that's like wrong and like it's yep. really weird that the woke yeah. crowd is like picking and choosing and not realizing that it's very similar yep. regardless it's it's, it's very, so unlike so unlike them you know i know, I know. right it's, it's, it's normally it's, normally their arguments are well thought yeah. yeah a lack of logic with the uh the anti-woke crowd that's that's odd i don't know i don't know i can't believe it i just can't believe it yeah it's unbelievable <laughs> um but yeah so i will say though um i got really upset that particular episode where he recreates this person's life and then gets heavily involved in it because like so like they were talking about fight like finality of in certain episodes like the finality of like death and like non-existence and stuff and it was like really getting to me emotionally in different areas and this last one was super interesting that i watched um it was like a, a completely mind f episode where you they were going through like different scenarios that they thought were hallucinations they didn't really know what was real and I was like, I love this stuff. It's kind of like a mystery. And it didn't really deliver at the end, unfortunately. It was kind of like a bit crappy. But um, that that kind of like structure where you're not really sure what's going on. Oh, now they're in a like a high school in the 21st century. Now they're on like an alien planet in an alien morgue for some reason. Now they're trying to cross a, a lake and this giant sea monster is dragging them down below. Like lots of different settings and you don't quite know what's going on. There's a mystery to be solved. That's really interesting to me. Those kind of stories like really, really get me. But then- oh, it's it. That's the problem, though. Mm. They they can some. 
if if they put their mind to it, they could do really good sci-fi, and then they go and ruin it with a, uh, an, an ill-timed mm. joke that, that doesn't make contextual sense. Yeah, it's plus just there are because some... because it's it's like they forgot that they're a comedy. Yeah, it's like oh god, we've got to crack a joke. To be fair, there are some episodes I just slog on and on and on as well. And anytime I look at Seth MacFarlane as a captain, I'm just like you. You, I mean, you're in the the, the main lead role because you you produce this show. <laughs> Like, he wrote, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I don't he, he wouldn't really, be let anywhere near no <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense really but yeah so i've been enjoying that um plus i finally watched lightyear because i put it on to disney plus because i still have mm-hmm. my disney plus subscription till the end of the year um and that was fun it was doesn't make any sense for andy's toy to be based on that movie but it was fun um yeah yeah, yeah that's about it and like there's a lesbian couple for about two seconds for about two kiss. seconds yeah yeah and classic was, disney <laughs> and i remember like everybody got riled up over it as well it's like yeah. oh, this is this is terrible um and there's, there's nothing again i i did i wasn't i was just like i watched it and then i heard it was a uh a gay kiss and i was like was there because i can't remember seeing it i had to go think- back and watch it like oh was yeah it literally guess, like yeah. he looks at them through the door and they have a little kiss yeah, yeah. That's it, it opens the door and as he opens like creaks through quick kiss and that's it it's like okay wow i'm, I'm greeting you as you come home from work but yeah. a quick peck on the cheek that's an <laughs> outrage <laughs> outrage that's that's crazy that's mm, mm. but yeah that was a fun film um socks was the best character the little robotic kitty he was the best and then other than that uh yeah it's um so that's been that's been what I've been up to. Jack, what have you been up to? I've also been doing taxes. Taxes. <laughs> yes, it's 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 been fun. I've been treating like a game which I've been hiding from quite a lot. Uh I've also uh finally got around to playing and finishing Red Dead Redemption 2. Ooh. Which uh that was a game I played. <laughs> <laughs> it 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 was I think in total to me about 50 hours to complete. And only the last 10 hours was fun, which, yeah. I was like, there's one I had friends saying it's like the best game of all time. And I really liked Red Dead Redemption 1. So I was like, I was just waiting for it to become fun. And it kind of just never really did. And it let me down mm. a lot because it's like, <sighs> also knowing like all the time crunch stuff, what happened with it, I'm like, was it worth it? Does that game have a lot of crunch? I completely missed Red Dead. It was Red Dead Redemption Two, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I completely missed that game. I own it. Uh, I bought. I think I bought it in a, like yeah, a Steam I, I sale just... at one point, and I've never played it. But how is that? How was the experience in general? Like, is it? Is it mechanically? <laughs> it, it, is it fun? Because I remember a lot of people were raving about it when it came out. Yeah, that's why I was looking forward to it. it. The problem is, it's like like the kind of like the action fighty bits, the shooting, really fun. But between the shooting sections, is about twenty minutes of horse riding. <laughs> yes like that's that's the issue i think you're right is it's it's typical um it is typical rockstar yeah. uh missions of fetch carry sort of thing but um, at least with like grand Theft you have the radio to keep you entertained yeah it's, and that's the problem isn't it because yeah, it's um the wildness is empty it's just yeah, I guess because I think, but but it's 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 massive. That's yeah. the problem. The map is Big. massive, mm. and a horse only goes so fast. Um, and so you kind of have to, you kind of have to get a bit more strategic about how you do certain missions. You can pick stuff up. You don't have to act on it until you might be in that area next. Yeah. Um, you have to be a little bit more kind of a bit a bit like that. I love it. 
That's I'm I think I'm on my about my third playthrough. Really? Yeah. And I keep trying to be bad, but I can't help it. I like being good. I, turns out I was accidentally bad because you get bad calm when you shoot a horse in the head. And I, that was my, oh, well, my, that, my favorite thing to do was when I was racing was just to Your favorite thing to do is shoot horses. And just watch the person ragged on. Oh, someone else's horse, not your yeah, horse. Not my I'm horse. I try to. You should do in Red Dead Redemption 1, but you can't do it in 2. Uh, yeah, you can't. No, you oh, can't. Yeah, you can punch your horse. You can punch I did horse. by accident. Accidents. Um, I, and yes, exactly. I did the same. Annoyingly, the same button to to check the, what's in your saddlebag is the same button that punches. And if you miss time where you push it, you end up smacking the horse. <laughs> yeah, that was the bits what I enjoyed. <laughs> I think I did okay, see we'll some it. like interesting stuff with Red Dead Redemption Two. Though is like certain missions have different outcomes depending on what you do too. Mm-hmm. Even if it's like the little interactions that you have. I saw. I think it was like one video where you come across these guys who are like um, in a chain gang and they're just like, like well, doing the chain gang thing. And you can either choose to like, they, they try and escape and you can either choose to like help the people who have them captive or you can choose to help the people that are in the chain gang or you can just like murder everyone. There's a lot of choices there. I was really surprised by that. And uh, did you notice, did you go back and play it multiple times or did you just have the one playthrough? Uh, I did it once. I'm not going back anytime soon. Okay, cool. <laughs> just I, nope, I, nope. I deliberately kind of went back through and kind of re-engineered some of the bits that I didn't do properly last time, or okay. or maybe chose different paths and stuff. And it is interesting, and it is that kind of you you can. It's typical. It is typical, kind of like GTA, um, in in a sense that you can get really embedded in that world. Mm. Um, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Is that all you've been up to, Jack? Like mostly yeah. taxes and Red Dead Redemption too. Taxes well, and Red Dead Redemption. Yep. Funnily enough, um, we, uh, we we've we've had uh, a, a wonderful, wonderful person show up a, a little earlier um, than than planned uh, backstage. So I think what we're going to do is not to keep them waiting. We're going to bring them on right now. Um, we are joined today. Our welcome, our second guest, the lead designer of the D&D Player's Handbook, the master of dungeons, its game architect, Jeremy Crawford. Hello! Hello there. How are Hi, you? Hi, Jeremy. How are you doing today? You having a good day? I'm doing, so yeah, doing wonderfully, and I'm delighted to be here. Hell welcome yes. back. Yeah, welcome back. It's been, a, it's been a while since you were last on the podcast, like almost a, well, probably a year, in fact. Like, uh, well, what have you been up to? since then like I, probably a lot that's a lot to condense how's your year down been? how's your year been yeah <laughs> just to summarize a year it's easy so i i feel like ever since the lockdown began for covid uh i've i've largely become this sort of uh hermit scholar who is mostly at home <laughs> just working on dungeons and dragons it's actually a great life uh and and recently been you know venturing into the office a bit so i'm getting to see some of uh, our uh, other team members uh, as we plan what's in store for dnd in the next five to ten years honestly that that sounds that's pretty amazing is that, a, is that an airplane is that right so are you invade are you invading anywhere at the moment jeremy or? <laughs> i guess i just sent my fighter <laughs> Oh no! Go go forth and conquer. It's to advertise the podcast. It's literally just skyriding across the gaming mag podcast. Thank you for doing that for us, by the way. That's very very kind of you. Uh, now we're so, going. 
sorry, go. So this this weekend in Seattle is an annual event called Seafair, and fighter jets fly over the city for the whole weekend. So we might hear them several more times. Oh, I'm prepared for that. That sounds amazing. How how atmospheric. Yes, yes. I feel like I'm actually there. Right. We're going to deep dive straight into your interview. And I believe, Robin, you, you you have the first question. Uh, yes, obviously we spoke last time uh, quite a length and in, in lovely ways about um, how D&D and the LGBT community have been kind of hand in glove for an awful long time. So I think obviously the movie's just been, the trailer for the movie dropped at SDCC. Uh, so Dungeons and Dragons keeps on that growing so in popularity, particularly uh, with the commu- with the queer community. Why do you think that is? I think going back to my experience of D&D way, way back when I was six or seven years old and, you know, a, a, a wee queer kid myself, I think D&D has always attracted members of the LGBT plus family, uh, partly because it's a game where we get to explore who we are. We get to try on different identities. Something that we as queer people sometimes... There's that Jen again, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) You were saying, but... Yes, sometimes uh, members of our communities uh, are forced for survival reasons in real life to try on other identities. D&D gives us a place where we can safely do that in a context of fun and also actually sometimes, particularly when we're younger, play at being who we actually are in real life, actually explore having uh, a same-sex romance or having a gender identity that defies other people's expectations and so on and so forth, that this it becomes a a space where we can do these explorations. And so there are a lot of stories of people coming out for the first time to their D&D group uh, because it's the place where they felt safe to explore Mm. different aspects of themselves. I honestly think this aspect of D&D is part of its charm for everybody, whether whether they're queer or not. But I think because as, as, as queer people... Who we are is often so problematized in certain cultures and different, Mm. and even if a culture is largely accepting, there will sometimes be communities in that culture that are not, uh, that a place where we can safely explore identity is very powerful. Definitely. Yeah. I remember like for me, because I didn't really have like TTRPG growing up as a trans person, it was always like video games for me, like anything with character creation, I would just be right in, you know, just just create the ideal version of the self in that in that setting. And it's so nice that like, D&D and uh, other TTRPG games like offer this this space for people just to experiment with identity and just be who they want to be. If even if they're in a situation like I was where it was, wouldn't necessarily be safe for them. So I know that Wizards has been working more with marginalized groups and creators within the communities. Uh, that's something we'd love to see, obviously. Uh, so how do you feel that these relationships have impacted uh, Dungeons and Dragons and by proxy Wizards of Coast for the better? I think whenever we open our doors wider and bring more storytellers to the table, I think... The game gets better. I think the community becomes richer. 
I think then more people who maybe weren't sure if this game was for them than see it is for them. To me, there's this sort of multiplying positive effect where the more people who feel safe to come to the D&D table or, or a similar games table, the better that game becomes as people realize that particularly in a medium that's about people weaving stories together, just how much richer those stories become when you have all of these different inputs of people bringing very different life experience. Uh, they're bringing you know, their home culture with them, and that influences how they interact with the fantasy world. And so then the fantasy world itself becomes more interesting. Uh, it, it really is sort of this treasure trove of you know, the more, I think not only the game opens itself up to, to different people's stories, uh, but we also as people, I think, become richer when we open ourselves up to other people's experiences, other people's perspectives. And we, we not only realize how varied human experience can be, but then we also see how connected we all are. That no matter how different we all are, there are all these common threads, these things we have in common uh, that tie us together. And I think that's always whenever we have those epiphanies of, wow, the two of us are very different from each other, yet we have these like foundational experiences that are the same. That's really powerful. Mm. I think we need, we need some more of that in the world at the moment. Um, mm, definitely. With- does that have a lot of normalization, which I think is absolutely, absolutely, and and, and I think as well, ag- agreed differences. Like I think we can agree to have differences as so long as there's that commonality in the middle. And I think that's that second half of that sentence is that people have forgotten that we do have a lot in common yeah. than which div- than which divides us. Mm-hmm. Um, so as the as, as the lead architect, the lead game designer of D and D, could you explain a little more on how future LGBTQ creators, people like Jack, for example, right. here, uh, can include queerness within their games? So I encourage game designers, game masters, wherever you are on the creative spectrum, whether you're you know running tabletop games for people, or you're creating content and sharing it with people online, or you're working as a professional designer to boldly include queer stories and queer characters. I say this because often the people who flinch most away from including queer content are queer creators, because so often we've internalized, and it goes all the way back to our own childhoods, Mm -hmm. that we're supposed to take a step back that we're supposed to, you know, be in the wings while the straight mm. people have their story and we're essentially support characters. We're the NPCs yeah. on the stage of life. And I think we, as queer creators, often need to push ourselves to include queer stories. Uh, and part of that is a kindness we do to ourselves where we look at ourselves and and realize we belong here too. We belong on the stage as well. And the human story doesn't exist without us. Sometimes we internalize this sort of poisonous narrative that we're we're sort of an appendage that, you know, gay and trans folks, we're just, we're, we're, we're the NPCs over there. No, we're also protagonists uh, in, in the grand story of life. And, 
our characters in our games can take center stage, uh, can play pivotal roles, can be heroes and also villains in just the way that uh, straight and cis characters can be. And so I think I think often what we need to be doing is just give ourselves permission to include ourselves and to do so matter of factly. Uh, I often like to talk about the fact that we don't need to make a grand announcement when we include queer stories, uh, because in a way we actually sometimes other ourselves mm -hmm. by treating our own stories as needing an explanation or, you know, they're, they're needing to be a special frame around it to warn people you are about to enter mm -hmm. queer content when we are a natural part of our own world. And we can be a natural part of the stories that we're in, as matter-of-factly present as straight characters are in the story. And, and I think that takes practice. It's one reason why I, I encourage including queer stories so much, because the more practiced we get at doing it, the more matter-of-fact the inclusion of queer characters becomes. And so then it just becomes uh, what everyone expects, because just like... Uh, the real world doesn't exist without us. I would love for us culturally to get to the point where people will notice our absence in a story rather than I feel like we're culturally, we're still in a place where people comment on our presence and I want us to push and push and push. So it's, if we're not there, the general public would be, this story feels inauthentic uh, <laughs> because, because there are no queer characters in it. Definitely, definitely. I, I think like the, the problem there obviously is like we've been ex excluded from a lot of like mainstream narratives for, for so long that just causes like so many difficulties moving forward and it does become like just any inclusion of queer people essentially becomes oh you're trying to push some form of narrative, you're trying to like push something like down our throat where it's just no, we just want like a place at the table. That's essentially... Yeah. All it is now um of course we also have the wonderful uh, jack dixon here um who uh, worked is a creator behind the award-winning adventuring with pride supp supplemental series um i believe jack you have a question too yes uh hi jamie i'm a big fan so i'm slightly uh nervous to talk to you <laughs> uh my question i have ever since doing sort of tabletop games in D, &D professionally is that i spend so much of my time uh writing and play test in D, D, I never really have time for myself to actually play D, &D anymore. Uh I was like, how do you manage to balance doing the two? Like how, do you still get to play D, D like casually as a player, or is it always like playtesting and mechanics for you? So what I have done over the years is I have made sure to have a home game either that I'm running or that I'm playing in that has nothing to do with anything I'm working on. And so that game usually has a few rules. And here I'm not talking about game rules, which I work on all the time, but really sort of table rules. One of those is in my home games, we never include playtest content because I want to make it so that when I'm having fun, I'm just being a fan of the game I work on. I don't want my work brain to engage uh, when I'm just trying to play the elf barbarian that I'm playing. Uh, and... Uh, so that's one is I try to make it that nothing I'm playtesting, nothing I'm working on is present in the home game. And then 
also, I just make sure that the home games I'm in are filled with people I know I can actually relax with. I can, you know, tell silly jokes with and we can enjoy snacks and drinks together and make sure that I protect the sort of the experience that so many of us enjoy in the first place. Part of why we're passionate about the game that we work on. Uh, mm. And now that all said, it takes some work because sometimes when I'm super busy and I've been working on D and D all week, sometimes the idea of them spending my off hours playing the game I work on all the time, I have to push myself sometimes, but I'm always glad when I do because getting back into those shoes of just being a person who loves this game helps keep my fire alive as a fan of the game uh, so that I never lose sight of, uh, you know, not only is this game wonderful to work on, but it's just something I've been a fan of my entire life. Like um, I've, I, I can see that's probably like important for you differentiating and like compartmentalizing the two. So there's not in a crazy amount of crossover. I've heard you always, you also have your own like homebrew, like environments and settings and stuff too. Is that, mm-hmm. is that I'm, I'm assuming that's also very helpful for just like, differing those experiences for you yeah so i've i have been using my homebrew settings since my senior year in high school and so part of it is i use it because it's actually easier for me to use this thing i made myself than Mm. to study something that someone else made yeah but the other benefit that it's had for me ever since I started working on D&D full-time over 15 years ago is it means in my home game not even the setting has anything directly to do with things we're working on. Mm. Although we have undermined that a little bit because my home group includes several of my colleagues and we have (laughs) over the years imported some things from my home campaign into Into the official stuff. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be, but it's still mostly, it it mostly still feels like just our thing at home. I'm going to wait for the uh, the next jet, jet to pass. pass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. All right, so, um, yeah, so moving forward and looking into the future, what is what are your hopes for uh, the future of, like, queerness in TTRPGs in general? I know you, you briefly mentioned, obviously, like, having more narrative experiences where we're essentially, like, normalizing the inclusion of queer characters. Um, is that generally something that you think is the main aspect of, of the future of queerness, or is there anything specific that you would want to see including TTRPGs? So for me, it's two pronged on one hand, uh, I want us not only in D and D, but in other tabletop games to continue to see queer NPCs for the player characters to meet. But in some ways, I think even more importantly, I want players to feel comfortable to play queer characters because there's only so far we can go with queer NPCs because they're not the focus of a tabletop role playing game. It's, it's the player characters who are the main characters. And so I would really love to see an even greater normalization of people playing queer characters because you know, we now in our D&D books, you know, in any of our major adventures, and this has been true for years, there are queer characters in the books. But again, for there really to 
for really to feel like the queer characters are taking center stage, it needs to be the player characters. And so again, that's why I see that as sort of the main growth area is people really feeling comfortable, feeling safe in the groups that they're in to play a queer hero or a queer anti-hero. You know, whatever it is, is their bliss in the particular story that they're helping create have those characters take center stage. That that sounds like an amazing future where there are just players sitting at a table and like, you know, you, maybe you have the uh, the typical high school like bro, you know, and like he's not afraid of like any kind of like internalized homophobia or anything like that just to like be a gay character for a day. That sounds like an amazing future. And maybe eventually we'll, we will get there. So that, that would be um, wonderful to see more of honestly yeah. and talking of having the the sort of celebrating queer characters in games would be they npcs or player characters looking at it the other way around um mm. what advice would you have for queer people that are new to the tabletop world um how do they sort of particularly look after themselves protect themselves maybe but also jump in with both feet mm-hmm. so i think uh There are several levels to that. One, if you've never played and you just want to try the game out, then I, you know, I recommend trying it out as quickly as you can, but, but no going into it that in your sort of first tutorial experience where you're just learning how does this game work and, you know, what's possible for, you know, what can a character do? How do you interact with the dungeon master? That kind of thing. I think it's important to, Give yourself the liberty for that to truly just be a tutorial experience. And then once you have sort of under your feet the sense of how this game works, then really look for a group of players where you feel comfortable, safe to be yourself, because that's when you can really start digging into the types of characters you want to play. Uh, I think... I think people need to know that you don't have to stay in a group and really shouldn't stay in a group where you don't feel supported, where you don't feel safe, and to keep looking until you find the group of people where you do feel that way, where you can truly relax, have fun, play the character that you want to play, whether the character is queer or not, and not and not ever feel trapped that playing the game means you have to be with a group of people uh, that you don't feel safe around uh, because I think that's ultimately more important than the enjoyment of the game is making sure you feel comfortable, you feel supported. And there are online resources, you know, people looking for groups in uh, different cities of the world. Uh, Also there are online groups. So if there aren't enough people locally that you can play with, you can often find a nurturing group online to play with. And so really, I just recommend people keep looking until they find the group that feels right and not to feel pressure to stay someplace that doesn't feel right. Mm. Uh, Because at the end of the day, it should be a good time. It should be a place where you feel like you can really dig into the story and not feel like you're kind of constantly looking over your shoulder to see if you're going to be, you know, judged or put down because of, uh, the type of character you want to portray. Definitely, definitely. I think like adding on to that as well, like a lot of people coming into D&D might think, you know, there is a rigid set of rules or I have to do it X, Y, and Z way. And like, 
some people might not realize like every dm is going to do the game differently Mm -hmm. everyone's gonna every experience with that group of players is going to be different some might focus more on role playing some might be more roles rules focused and it's really down to again like you say just don't feel like you have to be trapped just keep moving and find the group that fits you and that accepts you for who you are yeah and i i i love that you you call out the fact that each dm's expression of dnd is is unique mm. uh there each dm brings a different alchemy a different balance of rules use storytelling role playing some dms tell very serious stories other dms tell very jokey stories sometimes it's something in between and yeah people uh, should also keep shopping in a way until it's a good match uh, yeah. between them uh and the dm and the other players yeah exactly jeremy that's that's such a great place to to leave that. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. I know you're extremely busy, so uh, thank you so much for making that time. Appreciate it. Oh, it's a, it's a delight to be here with you. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Okay, we're going to say goodbye to you now, but have a wonderful rest of your day. Uh, go see some jets, I guess, if you've got the time. <laughs> yes. and, uh, when you have yeah. the chance, you have to. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And we might see you in about another year's time for the next, we'll uh, next tabletop year. special. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Bye for now, Jeremy. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jeremy. Yeah. Bye. What a wonderful, wonderful uh, person. I adore the fact that D&D is in such safe queer hands. Yes. Um, yeah. And has been for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what that's what I think people find quite interesting as well is that this isn't a new thing. And I think people that if if anybody riles against the kind of like the newness of like oh it's they've they've gone woke or something it's like nope 15 20 years um it's always been this almost, way yeah you've just not been one. paying attention that's yeah. that's the main thing exactly. yeah uh all right so we are going to move on to the news section a little section we like to call bite-sized news which is exactly what it sounds yes. like uh it's where we go over everything gaming in the news recently so you have a, a new story I do. And of course, if you like your left turns uh, with horror games, then uh, imagine a a dating simulator with the world's most popular horror games. So yeah, Hooked on on You uh, released this week. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's about as far as I've got with that piece of news. Yeah, <laughs> they, I haven't played it. It's released. Um, I've not played it either. Really shit segment. Uh, I know Amy it, really but... enjoyed it, right? So Amy yes, actually did the we, review. We for did it. a great review. We we did do mm-hmm. a great review on on gaming. It's a, I've seen loads of creators play it on stream as well. It looks insane, mm-hmm. and I'm there for it. And I'm always there for people that take massive left turns. Yeah. I think it's one of the most creative things you can do is not do the same thing again. Like if you've built a brand up, then get into something else. Like Peugeot, who makes cars, um, just back in the 1800s, decided one day they were bored of making cars. They made pepper. They made pepper grinders. I did not know that. that they were no. excellent pepper grinders. But that's the kind of left turn that I like in business. Got, got to find yourself um, a Peugeot just, pepper grinder. Just Let's go. Wake, uh, yeah. Just, just wake up one day and then suddenly Ooh. decide to just suddenly decide to do something else. I will say, I had no idea that this game, and this makes total sense, is actually um, by Psyop, who also worked on uh, the, the KFC dating game, I Love You, Colonel <laughs> Sanders. But now I'm looking that at makes, the artwork. Yeah, it makes perfect sense, yeah. doesn't it? Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this looks great. I intend to play it and give you my feedback before next week. But Amy, uh, our, our resident uh, editorial reviewer over on the uh, on the gaming mag, uh, absolutely loved it from the looks of it. Uh, they took some issue with the um, 
the the mini games, I guess. Uh, which, yeah, the, there's some design choices and some mini game issues. Well, it's skill uh, checks, I've, isn't it? Like, and this is what Ian yes. said as well. Like, it makes sense in the yeah, context with, of with, that game with, game. with yeah. Dead by Daylight because Dead by Daylight has skill checks in there as one of its main mechanics outside of just running around. So, um, yeah, it makes sense for it to be included in that game. But um, I tell you what, we will we will we'll give this a go, and we I guess maybe we'll do it in maybe not by the next podcast, but one of the podcasts. Podcasts. We'll we'll put it in the weekly recap. Uh, Robin might we'll not even it. be on that podcast, we'll so it's it just going to be down to me to do it. <laughs> I just realized that. Wow. Okay. You give you know yourself homework. I have given myself yeah. homework. I love it. <laughs> anyway, so moving on. Uh, so that that hopefully everybody seems to be loving it. It's great. Hooked on you. Go and go and check that yep. out. Um, last week, last Wednesday, there was a Pokemon Presents presentation. Pokemon Prisons present. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and uh, Nintendo held a presentation to give updates about all things Pokemon. Uh, we had information on Pokemon esports. We've got the Pokemon World Championships coming up. I believe that's on the 18th. I tried to get tickets. They're all sold out for spectators. It's really annoying because they have a really cute, like, beef eater Pikachu that um that you can only get at the event. And it's really annoying as well because I have the only other um british pikachu that has been released you got one yeah I, back I tried in, so hard back <laughs> so in 2018 hard. um went to the pokemon center in london we had to queue up from like i was about to how long did you queue for okay so we got there around nine o'clock at the night before and essentially oh just camped out all night uh, in the queue placement we weren't even the first people there that's the thing i think we were probably I, I about like 15 into the queue um and that's probably the only reason we got it because like people who were turning up like on the morning or later in the day once they gotten through the queue you couldn't get one um i don't know yeah. it's like what was your experience jack uh so i was kind of foolish like, oh, I'll, I'll just show up and just just <laughs> just go into the store and get one it'd be easy <laughs> they won't sell out no they won't it's unfortunate uh, they're also at, sorry saw the queue yeah i saw the queue and I followed the queue and I followed the queue and I continued to follow the queue. Follow the queue. And then at the very end, they're like, it's about a six hour wait. Mm. Uh, and the store closes. So the guy at the very end said, you're probably not going to get, come back tomorrow at like in the like early, like six o'clock in the morning and you might get one. I was like, mm, I don't know about I that. really want that Pikachu though. I really want it. I, I uh, at the time I made it content. So the the really sad thing about that, and again, this is like again uh, year back recap. Um, that there are people like selling these ones online. There were scalpers going there, literally yeah. waiting, uh, buying. I think you could only buy one maximum, but there would be like a group of people who would literally go in together. They they buy them, and I think online right afterwards they were selling them for like hundreds of pounds, which was for two hundred. Yeah, if you look at the, like the pricing now, because I, I looked up the beef eater Pikachu just to just just like, get a look at the picture of it, um, and the Bre- I call it the Brexitu, um, Brexitu <laughs> back there is like going for like three hundred and ninety nine pounds at the moment, like randomly on eBay. Whether or not it sells for that price, I don't know. But I really wanted this other British Pikachu, um, and now it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to get one um unfortunately but anyway so the world championship is going to be happening um yep. it's going to have pokemon go for the first time which is pretty cool uh speaking of pokemon go uh i've been playing a lot of pokemon go recently and there is going to be the pokemon go fest finale so they have a, they've had events in seattle um berlin 
and they've got one that just happened in Sapporo, Japan, uh, which nobody's been able to go to because Japan is not open to tourists right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they... Question. Mm. Question. Question. Um, how, how can you do competitive Pokemon Go? Oh, there's PvP. Yeah, there's... there's ah! Yeah, you yeah. Fucking, so it's you not... Got it. So it's not the running around. I just imagine there's like 10,000 people all running around the city collecting. <laughs> no, no, no. no. So um, the battle system... I thought it'd be really cool. No. Like uh, people being out in the real world. But I mean, I to be, thought, that is what the Pokemon uh, Go Fest events are, though. So that, that, the, That's how, when the game came out, that's how it was. The events when yeah. Pokemon Go came out was just yeah, hordes yeah, yeah. of people chasing mm. after Pokemon. It was great. I loved it. So the the GoFest events are for specific areas, like I was saying, so either Seattle, Berlin, or Sapporo, but like you'll go to a specific part, like a location, park, mm. sorry, uh, a location, mm. and they'll have like it all set up for Pokemon Go. They'll have like tents and stuff. I and see. you can buy on... You battle on that site. Yeah, well, yeah. that's not the PvP part of it. This is just like oh. what they have in the game for the actual GoFests are they have special research or special tasks you have to do. They have Pokemon that only appear during those areas at that fest, like specifically spawn there. Um, if you buy the ticket, again, you get those tasks. You get the legendary Pokemon that'll spawn after you've done the tasks and you'll get a bunch of stuff that everybody else in the world doesn't get. What the finale is that's coming up is basically everybody else is going to be getting access to that in a in an event that's coming so all the stuff that the people who paid for to get it like super early and go to these events um will now be able to get like a a, a dumbed down version of it for free worldwide essentially whereas the actual pvp go stuff at the world championships is literally just going to be people sitting down with their phones plugging them into uh their monitor tapping. setup or whatever and then just tapping away um with your pokemon because it does get really specific with Pokemon Go. Each Pokemon has their um, independent values, their their IVs, which essentially mm-hmm. like you can catch Pokemon with really crap IVs or really good IVs, and then depending on how you like level them up to like their maximum combat power, um, sometimes you, if you have full IVs, usually they'll be more powerful. But sometimes you want different IVs for different situations. Like there's limitations on certain cups, whereas like their combat power can only be like 1,500. And if it goes over that, they can't be included in this limited cup. Got it. It's very, it's very, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. So um, for PvP, it really depends on your, you have two moves in the game. So you have a fast move and a charge move. You use your fast move over and over and over again. And you use that to charge up your charge move, which is usually a more powerful move that you can only use once in a while. Uh, you also get yourself two uh, shields to prevent the other person from hitting you with a charge move. So essentially the PvP gameplay becomes what is the best combination of charge move and fast move to get your charge attack either as soon as possible or if you're going longer for a more powerful attack. And then going in with your type advantages and trying to figure out a good way of, you know, setting up. Uh, Like for me personally, I've been doing PvP recently. I've actually done that on stream. I like to go in with a very fast charge attack at first. I did the same. Yeah, burn down the opposing player's shields and then switch out to something more powerful so then I can just like completely destroy them and they have no way of defending themselves from that. Um, but it's it's very it's very different. Like if you look at the competitive level, like people will be like switching out Pokemon to other Pokemon that can take the hit better. There'll be people like counting the amount of like taps in terms of attacks that the other player is doing so they can predict when that charge attack is going to come. It gets very, very like in-depth mm. for something that's so simple, which is crazy. So the fact that they're actually including it at the World Championships for the first time this year is yeah. actually very, very... Um, it's 
it's really cool actually and like I've- i love the fact that the 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 notion of esports is kind of being cast open to such a wide mm. kind of type of games now like it's not just kind of angry people playing on fortnite <laughs> it's it's kind of like you can no it's just angry people tapping their phone on pokemon yeah, exactly. go now instead yeah. where wearing the screen out mm-hmm. no it, it's kind of like you can you can compete as, as an esport in a number of different ways that that's not just either sort of beating people up or shooting people oh, totally i'm waiting for that competitive candy crush uh esports tournament my mum will kick will just do so well on yes. competitive candy crush absolutely kick mm-hmm. but at that one that'd be amazing now they they put out some new announcements for pokemon unite which is their moba um i'm not really I, does anybody care really i guess people who like <laughs> pokemon unite i just see that game as like it's it's just it's a loot box central you know they charge way too much for their costumes i say that i've been playing pokemon go and like buying uh, stuff in that game Same. but yeah yeah, like I don't know. It, it's that game's a little bit predatory to me personally, that particularly. But you know, they have new um, events coming. They have like a Pikachu themed event, which everybody's a Pikachu in the game. Honestly, I I don't think it's worth anybody's time. Buzzwall is coming to the game as well, and like Tyran Tyranitar and some other Pokemon are also coming to the game. Uh, they also had other announcements for Pokemon Masters. EX is getting like a trainer lodge. That's pretty cool. I, I hope you are able to like decorate that with your own style and stuff. Because that's always been a fun thing about Pokemon games. Like when you get like a secret hideout, you can just decorate it any way you want. And they also uh, have Mewtwo coming to their free-to-play cooking game, Pokemon Cafe Remix. And you can even like hire them as your restaurant staff apparently when i was I, I did a reaction stream to the presentation as soon as that came on screen with the art style from youtube i was i just started screaming no no oh god please no it just i i, I don't know that that particular puzzle game just does not look that appeal appealing especially I, when you, i didn't know i didn't know there's a pokemon cafe remix uh, uh puzzle game yeah yeah this is the first i've heard of that and that sounds awful but, terrible yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't. Well, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe some mums out there will will care about that. Or, or, or not to be dismissive, but you know, it's wow. not. Wow, it's, it's not. Um, it's not what I go in for. Uh, unfortunately, now the it's biggest also incredibly sexist thinking that it's okay. It's mums or dads? It's only, it's only interesting. Mm. To I was th- sorry, mm. I was thinking puzzle games. I was linking it to Candy Crush, but get that. Okay, you want to go there? I didn't think that. <laughs> You thought that. Okay. So you just said it. Moving on <laughs> from trying to make me out to be a misogynist, apparently. Moving on from that. God, this is the most heated I've ever gotten on the Gaming Mag <laughs> podcast. I'm defending my honor. Anyway, so moving on. The, the the important news that everybody was watching the Pokemon Presents for was Pokemon Scarlet and Violet news because there have <sighs> been two new big Pokemon games that are coming out. Um is it new though? No, but, well, no, that's that's the thing, isn't it? Like, <laughs> it looks like more of the same. Yes, the it's same. now got open world. Yes, now it's got multiplayer, which are things that I really, really wanted in the game. Apparently, it has a has new raids too. It has a new um, terrestrialized Pokemon too, which essentially new Mega Pokemon, which essentially new Dynamax Z Move Pokemon. They've always got to have the gimmick that like brings people in and that they can merchandise with like really, really fanciful stuff. I will say. The, the the crystallized terrestrialized ter, ter, forms that these Pokemon have. Sorry, it's a mouthful that word. It's um, hard to say. They're very they're very cute looking. 
they do look nice. It look, they look pretty good. Like they're all shiny and nice and they're the best looking part of that game. But at the same time, it's like at this point, after how bad Sword and Shield turned out, how dumbed down from like the rest of the series and like how I know they want to make him like new player friendly, but it just it's it just seems like at this point Game Freak and the Pokemon Company are aiming at the lowest common denominator when it comes to Pokemon to make it as accessible as possible to everyone, where the game isn't really a challenge, where it doesn't really seem like there's that much effort going into the actual game design. Like if you go back and look at Pokemon Sword and Shield, the routes in that game compared to like the routes from the original game, it's like a straight line. It's just a straight line. You get to Victory Road at the end and Victory Road like in the original game was this huge sprawling maze inside of a cave in sword and shield it's a straight line with trainers it's it's yeah. nugget uh road from it's nugget bridge from the original yes. uh pokemon yes. it's essentially that's that's what that is and then you get to like the final town the final like uh, cup and it was very disappointing for a lot of people i think except for the people who love pokemon to death and just don't want to hear anything bad said about it i've been arguing that sorry <sighs> No, no, I'll keep going. I'm I know passionate. what you're going on to. I'm quite passionate yeah. about Pokemon. I have I mean, comments, it's fine. Goddamn. I'm quite passionate <laughs> about Pokemon. Okay, sorry, for the audio listeners, I just pointed at my pile of, of plushies and like uh, all the, the, the Pokemon cards I literally have in my hands right now. Like, I'm very, very passionate about Pokemon. As a as a result of that, do you think it's laziness um, on Game Freak's part that um, they've literally sort of just I don't... copy and pasted and haven't really lifted a finger in terms of any kind of styling? I don't know if it's laziness. Anything new? I think it's, ironically, I think it's like a, a budget issue and timing schedule issue, honestly, because um, I feel like there are deadlines that they have to hit year after year now. and. Christmas. Well, yeah, Christmas, and not to mention that they've been releasing games, and it's not necessarily the same teams like who were working on uh, Legends Arceus and stuff. I'm not sure if it was the same teams. I'm pretty sure it was Game Freak, though. I think it was a different team for um, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, which released the same year as Arceus, uh, Legends Arceus. Um, but they their turnaround now seems to only be two years maximum, a year to two years maximum, which is insane. This is absolutely insane. It's like the, there's not enough time to make a well-crafted Pokemon game and there's definitely not enough time for optimization or polish because like, mm. if you look at um, any of the screenshots that have been brought out, in fact, let me try and pull one up real quick. I actually, po- I had tweeted about this earlier and this actually upset some people. Um, let me share this particular one. Uh, this screenshot, for instance, like how poorly optimized the game actually looks it now. It looks so... That's a, that is, the problem is that is promotional images. And it, yeah, this yeah. is an it image that they've chosen as, as, a, yeah. as a promo. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, that's literally I, I, what I said. It's like someone... Like the white outline here is like somebody went into Photoshop and didn't know how to use the magic wand yeah. tool. That's that's exactly... It's just it awful. Like, like I, I don't expect like... And we're talking about like Red Dead earlier, like that that was like hyper realistic. And I know it's an animation, mm-hmm. but look at where we are in terms of um like with the the latest Incredibles 2 or the latest Pixar or something that has kind of like yeah. you still no. can make you can make good looking animation, but it it needs to look something a bit more than that. Well, obviously game design is a little bit different because obviously everything is rendered yes. in real time. But and a lot of people will say, Well, it's on the Switch, what do you expect? I don't know. Like a lot of other games on the Switch, look really good. Yeah. The Cur- the last Kirby game that came out, 
<clears throat> sorry, looks fantastic. It looks w yeah. miles better. This has like anti-aliasing problems. It has low graphical yeah. textures. It has. It just looks. I don't know. If, if if they can do Yoshi's Crafted World, where you can see the individual pieces of string that's holding up the that pieces of cardboard, so, so beautiful and it's so cute. Yeah. Um, and then you look at this. Somebody, you put those two games side by side. Someone will say that this game was made about ten years ago. Yeah, it looks like a Unity fan game at this point. Yeah, yeah. A low res Unity fan game. Like yeah. when I was watching the presentation, I thought, okay, is this actually what the game looks like? Or am I getting like encoding issues on YouTube games <laughs> where it's like bit cr crushing stuff? Yeah. And like to give them props, yes, they have improved. Sorry, this is, wasn't supposed to turn into a breakdown of everything wrong with Pokemon. Yes. And, and, and let's just remember we have audio listeners as well rather than. Just oh, okay. Okay. So th there is an image of a Wooper surrounded <laughs> by an environment. The environment has low res it's textures terrible. and looks terrible. One horror texture they've yeah. improved the actual um pokemon models and i'm assuming what they're doing is using the models from uh new pokemon snap because they are much better uh rendered there are the higher res models models that they were using uh so the actual pokemon themselves look decent like other than some slight anti-aliasing problems on the edges of them <clears throat> so i'm gonna get a drink real quick yeah i mean it, and, and it just looks shiny and they haven't even bothered with a shadow yeah it's just a kind of black blob and underneath it. I, I think my problem is, is that at least with Sword and Shield, or the Pokemon they showed were at least visually interesting. And mm. the Pokemon they've shown so far for uh, Sapphire, Sapphire, uh, Violet, exactly. Violet, we can't even we, we can't even get the number. They can't even get the colors right because I just don't care. Look, and like the Wooper, the like the Galarian versions of previous Pokemon looked really cool. Like Galarian Coffin looked great. And Galarian Farfetch'd, amazing. Mm. And this is just a brown whooper. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> as, someone, as someone just said in the chat, don't worry, audio listeners, you're imagining this image is higher resolution than the image. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Excellent contribution amazing. from chat. Yeah, I mean, I'm just tired of like... Game Freak um, by proxy of the Pokemon Company just doing the same thing year in year out. That it looks like that all the innovative, the, all the innovation that they had in Pokemon Legends Arceus, like the new catch mechanics, the fact it was that so you cool. actually, I liked it. I the liked crafting, it. yeah, all that cool stuff. None of it seems to be well, in this new game. Hmm. None of it. Well, it's uh, it remains to be seen because I've not necessarily seen how if there were catch mechanics outside of battling, because I've only showed off like you throwing a Pokeball in a battle. But um, I highly doubt that they're going to be... I feel like they would game. show it if, if, if it was, if they did have interesting catch yeah. mechanics versus the usual, the way mm. Sword and Shield... It looks like just an expansion to Sword and Shield, honestly. Yeah, the problem that I have is that and it's not even the problem with Game Freak at this point. It's a problem with the fans at this point. Like, I call myself a true Pokemon fan because I am willing to criticize the game and say this isn't good enough. You know, this at this point, with you know, there 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 should be better expectations rather than just saying, yeah, you know, it's it's it it is what it is. Like, we we should. It's a kids' game, obviously, but at this point. After growing up with the franchise, I mean, I literally, my birthday is on Pokemon Day. I was there like the first day the anime aired in the UK, watching it randomly on that day. I've grown up with Pokemon and it just feels like the franchise hasn't grown with me. 
you know, and that's really sad. It, like, what this series really needs, and I said this after Sword and Shield came out, is it needs something like what happened with, with Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild yes. for the Zelda series was so refreshing in terms of, like, they just took that pre-existing formula and threw it out of the window. And the, the Pokemon series definitely needs that. It needs something different. It, it and, felt like it sort of had that with Arceus. Like, it, it mm. teetered on, like, having, like, kind of like a, just a redo of the f- series, but keeping the same feel yeah. and then they just went then, back. and now it just seems like they've 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 taken steps back yes there's multiplayer in this yes there's potentially raids but my, i'm not getting my hopes up because a lot of the time if i hear something like oh there's now going to be raids in pokemon go there are raids in sword and shield you walked up to a mm-hmm. hole and you battle a yeah. big pokemon <laughs> a together big picture. <laughs> yeah I want to be able to actually explore with my friends going to caves i actually want caves in the game which apparently didn't weren't in sword and shield there weren't any like interesting locations to explore like the original games had like uh the power plant which was just off the beaten path you could go it wasn't part of the main game you can go explore you can find a legendary at the end yeah there was zapdos the equivalent in uh and the, the obviously the islands with the other um the legendary birds the equivalent in sword and shield was a power plant underneath a place you go down you you walk through a play you walk through into a different room and that was it it's like the the game design is just seems to be gone, and it seems to be slightly uninspired. Yeah, let's push out as many new creatures as possible because then we can make ancillary media. We can get the card game out. We can make new merch. We can just make money that way. And the the I don't know, just like scheduling wise, the game doesn't have enough time. It doesn't look like it has enough budget. It looks like it's poorly optimized because of all of these anti-aliasing issues and just like not no environmental design whatsoever uh, to improve that, which is what so many people are upset about it. At the end of the day, this is the biggest media franchise in the world. And they there is no earnest on the Pokemon company or Game Freak to change what they're doing because it's going to sell regardless. Yes, it's going to do well. Mm. I think that's the problem. They don't have to put in the effort yeah, because it it will just it it's it's like a blockbuster movie. It's it's go, yeah. it's gonna ha- it's gonna do well. So why would you mm-hmm. put the extra effort in? I can criticize this as much as possible, but at the end of the day, I'm probably still gonna get the game. Oh yeah, same, same is, definitely. This is this is the other thing too. It's like it's gonna sell. It's not a good relationship. <laughs> no, it's 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 a terrible <laughs> relationship. Moving on from your abusive relationship with the Pokemon company. <laughs> yeah. Um. From from a poorly designed game to what is inevitably going to be an amazingly designed game, uh, Grand Theft Auto 6 had some first news this past week. Um, and yeah, it's exactly about time. Um, and some very, very good news it was too, because they confirmed a few things. One, we're going back to Vice City, yes. um, aka Miami, uh, which is fantastic and oh, super yeah. exciting. And it, it kind of leads into some of the rumors that have been floating around uh online uh but more importantly we are now confirmed to be getting a female protagonist or antagonist whichever way you look at it um but a female playable character which is the first time for the series and horrendously overdue uh that is as well um and they also uh continued their news obviously um with the gta 5 remake 
Um, there was a bit of a letter writing uh, exercise carried out by some organizations here in the UK that Game Mag was part of um, that led to the removal of some of the more transphobic elements from mm. GTA 5. So very proud of that. Um, but also they're kind of getting the, re- they're reading the room a little bit because they've committed this time that in GTA 6, they're not going to be punching down, by which they mean there's much bigger and much better things to take the, to take the mick out of, to have some fun with, um, the needing to kind of poop down on on minorities or underrepresented groups, etc. And I think that's good. And I, yeah. I think what we, we talked about uh, Red Dead earlier, I, th- I think Red Dead 2 was a, a lesson in the fact that, that Rockstar can do clever writing that can still skewer where it needs to skewer, can still satirize where it needs to satirize. Uh, but you don't need to you, you don't need to have the jokes in the windows you don't need to have the, the um, people on the street saying stupid things yeah 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 i'm looking forward to this uh the fact that the new protagonist is going to be uh female too which is like a first and honestly like i'm not the biggest gta fan in the world but i'm like i'm kind of just going to enjoy the fact that the anti-woke mob is going to lose <laughs> their minds and probably has already lost oh, their minds oh, yeah. no, no, they already like they have all over twitter that fuels me quite like, glorious to watch yes mm. yes i'm, I'm going to buy about 10 copies of it oh, yeah. uh just to just because they are going to be short of some cash probably yeah um but 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 just because the the anti woke brigade are going to be complaining about the fact that they have to play as a woman, oh. um, and and that, that they can't that they they can't use transphobic names or anything anymore, mm. and it's just like get over yourself and focus on the fact that the best things about GTA series hasn't been the fact that you can run around calling people uh, inappropriate slurs, but it's more about the the biting satire of modern consumerism. Um, mm. That's the beat. That's the stuff that's always been good in GTA. And that's still going to be there. The doing crime is still going to be there. The running people down in high-speed cars is still going to be there. Um, And and in fact, it's being led by um, a Latino woman. Brilliant. Absolutely love it. Like, it's... um, what, What was shocking to me about because i've not played a lot of gta games about gta 5 is that like the narrative was like extremely interesting so yeah, the fact yes. that they're potentially like exploring this narrative set within that like satirical world with um uh, again a uh, more bonnie and clyde style mm-hmm. pairing of uh, female characters um i'm really looking forward to that i think that's going to be a lot of fun yeah <laughs> definitely mm. um i think that's it for the bite-sized news it is um I'm just gonna I'm I'm just gonna do my usual little uh, DigiPride ad read. Uh, later in August, we talked about it a couple of bits. We're just gonna connect all the dots together now. Uh, talking about our tabletop special, it's our D and D one shot uh, using uh, Mr. Dixon's Adventure with Pride. It's your high stakes campaign, I believe. There you yes. go. That's I have one hand. I, I I have props. Hell yeah. Props. I love I love some mm. prop prop <laughs> podcasting. Um, so that Great is on audio. August twentieth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for the audio listeners, Jack just held up a copy of his Adventuring with Pride book, uh, available in all good um, places you can buy supplemental D&D things. Um, So, uh, yeah, what was I saying? So August 20th, uh, that is right here on Twitch, on twitch.tv slash gamemag. It is an all-star cast uh, playing that game, led by the wonderful Cypher of Tyre. You can go and find out about the rest of the cast. We've got Lady Confetti. We've got other amazing people. Some um, wonderful at, people. Uh, forward slash DigiPride. Yeah. Uh, but yes, get back here August 20th, 8 p.m. UK, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Uh, and that is raising money, as always, for the Against Better Project. Awesome. Awesome. Now, 
funnily enough, that we uh, we were men- we mentioned adventuring with pride because of course we are joined by the lovely, lovely uh, writer, maker, creator of adventuring oh with pride, right here, Jack Dixon. Yes, um, that's that's the idea. We always try and do make oh. our guests <laughs> blush. Uh, so it's time for your spotlight, Jack. Uh, we're going to get to know you a little bit more. So uh, adventuring with pride as a concept. When did it all start? How did that come about? So uh, I think it was in 2019, we, uh, uh, my husband finally, after quite a lot of convincing, got me to play D&D. Uh, I was quite, you know, I, I was very much in the kind of stereotype watched American TV shows where like, it was like kind of like very nerdy. So I was like, I don't, I'm not going to be into that. Played it and I loved it. Mm. Uh, and we have our own homebrew game, which our friend and collaborator, Andrew Collins, runs and DMs. And from there, uh, it was a lot of, uh, like I was, I was a player and I had my own stories and my own stupid adventures in this world. And I really wanted to, you know, get them down. Cause I, there was so much I wanted to say and like use as like a jumping off point for like an adventure. And, you know, it starts off with like a few notes, a few notes and a few paragraphs, and then you have a book series. It it it's it spirals out control quite fast. That's awesome. Um, yeah, like one of the things uh, that struck me with the actual book itself is that there is a broad array of adventures that you can actually go on. Yes. Um, so in terms in terms of that, is that everything that you pulled from your own homebrew? Then is that those adventures you've been on yourself? Those are those. Some of those have we pulled from our homebrew. Some of them I've written from the go, and some of them I have creatively lifted from other. You know, I I play a lot of games, and you see, like a like that's such a good idea. I'm going to creatively borrow it, but mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, a lot of it was from our homebrew game, and a lot of the characters. You know, it's like unofficially a part of our homebrew world, but there is a clear divide because. I'm not the DM of our homebrew world, <laughs> and he gets upset when I steal his ideas. Oh no! <laughs> um, so, at what point of of kind of having all these these wonderful ideas did you suddenly think like the rest of the world needs to know this? Like, what was the kind of what inspired you to kind of start actually thinking I'm going to create a supplemental? So, I was so I was I so when we started playing D and D, I was beginning to homebrew and attack things on DMs Guild and. Uh, drive through rpg i saw that people have written their own ones a very personal adventures and homebrew stuff into very personal kind of sensitive subjects about them and i found it really refreshing to see such unique stories and i didn't really see much in the way of queer stories hmm. because to me D was it was such a great way for me to be able to express myself uh growing up i grew up in a quite a impoverished part of london i didn't really have the chance to have the way i the way i you know grew up and realized i was gay and had gay stories was through the sims as anything a character creation like you said me mm. like that's how i was able to express myself and i think D has such a unique way that it can allow people to express themselves in a safe environment and find stories and find tales which have queer people in it like what Jeremy said, queer, queer NPCs, queer stories helps normalize it to people. And I thought I I thought I had 
I could do it, and I think I did it successfully. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it, it seems like it. I mean, your your second edition, edition, um, I believe that's called uh, the Queer We Go Again. Queer We Go yes, Again. That's it. Yeah, sorry, I thought I was going to get that wrong for a second. Then, yeah. uh, I mean, that of course is successful. I mean, that won the tabletop award at this year's gaming awards. Yes. I mean, I, like, sh- surely, like, how did that feel when you found out about that? And and does that so, not? In in the run up to the awards, I was getting I was in a bit of a bit of kind of like I say dep- I was I was having a really bad imposter syndrome, like I felt like I was faking it until I make it sort of thing. And mm. the award was such a you know, it came at a really important time for me where I thought about giving up. I didn't feel like like there's so much as a especially as a tabletop creator and a queer creator. There's so much tabletop content out you feel like you can get lost and not noticed and mm. I, I i work really hard on the book and along with you know one of one of the reasons i did the book as well because i wanted to find a way to help raise money for stonewall and other mm. queer charities so i was slightly worried that i was kind of getting lost in the the lot because it's tabletop games you know that it it's had such a large increase of players interest over the past like five years Mm. Uh, so the award i I wasn't expecting it honestly because uh we was up against uh thirsty sword lesbians which is again props i just picked up the book uh uh, they've been doing such amazing work i've i just assumed they were gonna get it because they've been they've been doing queer dnd queer tabletop stuff for years and it's it's like you could probably tell when I actually went up, or the fact that I actually had to bring my husband Alex up with me because, like, I'm not prepared for this. Nope, we had no, nothing prepared. We had no speech, and I still look a complete fool in the interview. My mum loves showing me the clip. It's like, thanks, <laughs> yeah, I know. I um, I remember when uh, you arrived at the theatre, and I'm sort of stood there greeting everyone, and I sort of just generally asked how you were. And I think you said something about like, oh, I'm fine. I'm not going to win. I'm fine. Yeah. And in, 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 I, I, in, I literally in my fact. head, I'm like, oh my God, you're going to win. Because I knew, of course, <laughs> that you were going to win. Yeah. I kind of was deep down, a little bit was thinking like, should I tell him to get a speech ready? I, oh, no, <laughs> no speech prepared. Nothing at all. It's <laughs> like, it was like, oh, there's, there's an open bar, you know, there's some free food. <laughs> yeah. We can enjoy this. Uh, mm. Yeah. So but I was like, oh God. Now I need to think of a speech. I'm not a good public speaker either. But you know, it's it was so like I, I was there moderating the Twitch chat at the back of the room. I, I, I make sure everything was you know going well. And uh, you know, it's 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 always so human, humanizing, and so wonderful to to see again, like someone like yourself who who wasn't expecting it, who wouldn't necessarily think because with the imposter syndrome that you're you're deserving, which you are. Uh, of that just to to be in that situation and i think the audience was definitely on your side in that situation there um and yeah it was it was lovely it's absolutely lovely speaker props i still have it on my desk hey Hey, that's awesome uh for the audio listeners uh jack is holding up the the gaming magazine gaming award award uh, that they received oh yeah um i mentioned earlier that uh high stakes which is one of your storylines from query go again uh is being played uh in a few weeks time for our all-star cast uh one shot um 
Are you excited for that? And two, um, can you set the scene for us? I am. So at the awards, I got to meet Tanya, who will be DMing it. Uh, and just speaking to them was amazing because I'm really excited because the way we write our adventures, it's so, it's so they used to be like adapted, depending on the DM and depending on the characters. You can take bits out, put bits in. If we want it to be, it's hard to write adventures and try to keep it versatile for any sort of player type. So I'm really excited to see how Tanya is going to adapt the, 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 the core adventure and put their own spin on it. And also one of my favorite parts about writing was is seeing people play it, especially on stream. Uh, in, in a way of like kind of like teasing it, I guess. So the players will are going to Island Fortuna, which is a island casino mm-hmm. uh, where the glitz and glamour, faux Las Vegas... Very, uh, very. Oh, I, the way I describe it, it's like Ocean's Eleven, but but fantasy. So it's, we it's love a, a good heist. We love yes. a good heist. Yes, it's it's a heist and gay do crime exactly, and it's very uh, camp, which you know, it's what I always like. good. It's very. Mm. It's it's got a very overall ABBA theme to it. Oh, <laughs> that could be that, that could be the spoiler. You know what? That's okay. that. That I, I was. I was already in. I mean, first you, you had my curiosity, but now you you have my attention. Hell yes, let's so, go. Uh, it's a it's a camp Ocean's Eleven with yes. Abba. Is what we're saying. That's yeah, that, all you that, had that, to that, say. That's, I'm there. I'm there. You had me at Abba. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. Um. So m- moving forward, obviously now you're working on the third edition. Yes. Uh, first off, is is there a title for that one yet and uh secondly what what drives you to keep crafting these stories so the title was 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 hard to come up with because i think queer ago again was really good that's pretty all, good that's top tier that title yeah solid title. also it makes in my love for abba so i'm like <laughs> and until abba makes a third movie with a catchy subtitle i was like i need to do something else uh so, so it's not abba related okay we can put that, we can put that. yeah and I'm, unfortunately, it's not. Uh, the original name for the project for Adventure of Pride was A Queer Rose Journey as a play on a hero's journey. Hell yeah. Uh, so it's Adventure of Pride, A Queer Rose Journey is Hell the yeah. third book. I love that. Uh, and yeah, so when I was doing the second book, uh, I had so many like ideas and stuff. And a lot of it got kind of put on the cutting room floor because there's only so much you can put into a book. Uh, and I just had like ideas and after the book came out and after the award, I was like, I went back to them as more like a, a writing prompt, just be like, uh, you know, trying to, I find it better. I keep writing, even if it's like useless rubbish stuff, I just keep on writing. It could get me better at writing. So I was using the, the kind of like ideas I didn't use in the second book as just like writing prompts. And that quickly spiraled massively out of control to have another book. And it's, I'm really happy with it. I think like it has, it finally, so the book itself, the series has a very quasi modern theme to it. It's a fantasy world, but there's things like Starbucks and social media. Uh, And I think that's a very fun world to write in. Mm. So I got, so it's very easy for me to get carried away writing kind of wacky, quirky stories which parody real life, but go through the D and D like uh, phase. You know, it gets kind of it, it, it's it's pushed for a very fun phase, and, and that's mm. how and that's 
it's what I love doing. It's writing these stories. I'm not a big uh, so with things like uh, the mechanics and the math sides. I'm that's not mm, that's not for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's more sort of like the role playing and, and stuff. Yes, and, like, I like going sto- on these I like, the, like crafting the stories and yeah. writing these queer stories and queer NPCs. Uh, I, I leave the maths to my husband and our collaborator Andrew Collins, who uh, they're far better at the maths bit because they have a PhD in maths. So I'm like, yeah, that would help. I'm dyslexic. You, you, you do you. You can do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll do the fun writing bit. Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, that's awesome. And like, I just, I just think of like how many people, like how many lives that you'll have affected now, and how many people will be going on their own adventures with I this know, book. I, it's. Like I see occasionally I'll get people tweet at me like photos of like their group playing a game like that. Like I've, uh, I was at EG, not EGX, uh, Board Games Expo. Mm. So I, was, I get my conventions mixed up. They all sort of blur into one expo. Uh, I had a few people come up to me and said that they used Adventure Pride as a jump, as like an introductory D&D thing as to jump off to do their own world, to create their own homebrew stuff. And I really love that because we, I, I write, I, I wrote the Adventure Pride with the mindset that it's accessible for not just new players, but for new DMs, mm. because I found D&D quite intimidating. Like, yeah. like, like not know nothing about it, I thought it's just rules. Yeah, like, which is understandable. Was, you look at yeah. it, there's like so much information, so many statistics to it. It's like, oh God, yeah. oh God. It's like, what, what, do, what, how do you start? So mm. I want, so I wrote them in the way where you, you you can pick up and just play it as is and there's tips there's advice and stuff like that to really help people who kind of like are on the edge about D, but don't really you know haven't got the uh the lifetime experience but then again once you, when you start playing it and you realize that the rules aren't the v- rules of D are very flexible and you know the, i think the first rule for D is that is to have fun mm-hmm. so and that's you know that's how it goes you you actually it's it's cool that you sort of said obviously that you really only started uh playing D &D in 2019 so it's actually it's 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 a testament to how it's hooked you that it's got you from that stage to where you are now what is it about D that you in if you boil it down to kind of like the absolute bare minimum what is it about D that you enjoy so much it's to me D &D is a it sorry give me a second <laughs> just mine went blank for a second that's okay uh like for me the best part about it the thing i love the most what drew me in was to be able to sort of imp- it's improv if imp- imp- improv you know mm. you know you get get you're given a scenario and you can do anything you can be wacky you can be crazy uh you know and a table is like a, such a safe space for you to kind of you find out a lot about who you are and the sort of things you're into. Like it, it took me a while to realize certain things about myself and, you know, being able to role play as different characters or to go in these grand adventures and sort of, it brought me close to my friends as well. Mm. So those, those are things what to me really draw in D and D and tabletop games, because, you know, you, you get to live someone else's life, but you get to have their experiences. So, yeah. you know, it makes, it makes a big impact on you. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I've never thought about it like that before, especially when you're like, uh, you talk about exploring like different like aspects of yourself because it's, it's still, even though you're role playing a character, it's still you. It's like yeah, how you. you would act 
as this other person. So you're still, you know, you're still making those decisions yourself and there's got to be the same thought processes there, but you know, you're doing it in a, in a certain way. So it's really, really cool to hear you like you're exploring like different aspects of yeah. essentially yourself. I've, uh, I've not really thought about that before. That's, that's awesome. So let's, let's go back to you starting D and D and your experiences throughout. What would you say are some of the most, memorable moments from the campaigns that you've been a part of what what has been like the most oh fun, fun for you because obviously you probably got a lot of stories a there's lot of a lot. stories there's a lot I'm like, is there any oh like moments that you could pick out and say this this was <sighs> this is amazing my 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 introductory campaign to dnd was mm. my uh my friend andrew collins uh he ran it for me uh for my character who is a frog wizard called zig oh, uh yeah. Uh, and because he crafted it for me, it was a kind of teenage love romance where you get in these two two gay characters together, and you have to like build a party and do a rock concert because like one's like a really goth character, <laughs> and one's like a really kind of like preppy character. And I fell in love with them instantly. I, I also stole them for the book. I'm like, they need to be somewhere else. <laughs> mm. uh, and for me, it was you know trying to convince a old man called Willie called Old Willie, that was his name, to be the kind of lead guitarist for this band, <laughs> playing his guitar, which he called his Little Willie. And it it just sort of spiraled out of control. And it's just like, it doesn't like, in the grand scheme of things, like you got the whole like world ending threat, but it's the very mm-hmm. small, small parts of it, which to me are the most memorable bits. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, stopped, we stopped an evil wizard, you know, corrupting the land and raising the dead. But I, to me, you know, getting old Willie to play his little Willie in front of a band to get two mm. guys to hook up, that, that, that to me was my favorite part. It's, it's always kind of like the unexpected and, and yeah. the weird. I remember like my first intro to, to D&D, um, I had to sneak into, like somebody did like a small little one shot for me just to introduce me to like the whole idea of the game. I was um, supposed to like break into a like dragon's vault and there's like a bunch of kobolds and I messed up my rolls, I got captured and then I had to, essentially what I ended up doing, I, I took, this was pre-pandemic mind you. Uh, just as it was ramping up, I managed to convince this dragon that the, that I was from some kind of agency and that his lair actually had a very highly contagious dragon oh, version geez. of COVID. Uh, <laughs> so they had to all clear out and we had to do our inspections and it probably would be better for him to go away for a bit like and just let us do our thing. Um, health and safety gone mad. Health and safety gone mad, essentially. And that was like... <laughs> pulled out of my backside but that as one of like the things i've done in doing dnd that'll be the most memorable thing because it's the most quirky and weird and like unique yeah, thing and like the most unique thing to you and your character yeah those are the things that you re- remember yeah it's, yeah so uh to finish off you're on book three at the moment yes um what stage is that at? I think you're still you're on a your Kickstartering still, though you've uh, hit your target. Kick, Kickstarter, but you're extend- Kickstarter has now ended. Uh, oh, cool! We, we ran Congrats. it through Pride Month through June. Yes, we got uh, a 16k for it, which was amazing. Oh, uh, yeah. In the in the process of uh, writing, I'd say we're about uh, 80%, 70, 80% done. The first draft of all the adventures have been written. It's just he's go for the editing process, and he got the art and stuff like that. Uh, but it's on track to only be slightly delayed. 
Cool. That's <laughs> in, video, yeah. in gaming terms, that's excellent. That's, Honestly, that's bang on. That's bang in on course. Kickstarter terms, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I'm not even gonna lie. Like, we're, we're only gonna be like a month off our estimated date for release. Yeah, no, that's that's it's fantastic. <laughs> Again, like all the Kickstarter stuff that I've been a part of, I'm pretty sure there's a game from 2014 that still hasn't released <laughs> to this day as of yet. Still being worked on. But um, yeah, so you're you're doing fantastically. You really underestimate there. how much time when you start a Kickstarter. You're like, oh yeah, I can I, I can do this mm. in this time. I'd be easy. And then you're like, oh wait, I can't. It's quite yeah. hard to do. Yeah. Also, I think it depends um, on the stretch goals too. Is like as they start like adding up too. It's like, oh god, I have given myself too much work. And you get carried away with the stretch goals. You know, it's like, oh yeah, an extra adventure. Yeah, that's fine. It's like now I need to come up with a whole entire story. Mm. More subclasses. Yeah. That, that's future Jack's problem. Who cares? <laughs> I hate past Jack. Oh, I hate no. him so much. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, why did you do this to me? But oh. still, glad it has gone incredibly yes. well. And so uh, when you when you say that that it's only a month behind, what, what kind of time frame are we expecting for that now? For those that so didn't back the Kickstarter. So for the digital edition, because we do digital and hardback, uh, we're hoping that the digital edition will come out late September, early October. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, on the Kickstarter we said early September, so we're not that far off. It a lot of the times, like again, you underestimate times. Like I, I like yeah, we could do it in that amount of time. Forget that art takes time to make. I'm like, oh yeah, that's the bit which always gets me out. Because mm-hmm. we hire a bunch of really talented artists to do the art. And I'm like, so I was, I was given the art, and then forget about it. And then like it just shows up one day. I'm like, oh look, here's the art. Lovely. I forget that actually has to be made. <laughs> like, ooh. Yeah, yeah, that's always a process. Like I got a lot of stuff commissioned for my personal stuff. I do VTubing and things, and like the, the availability of artists as well. That's always an issue. It's like maybe you go back to them, oh yeah, we I don't have room for you at the moment. You're gonna have to wait till now. And you're like, oh well, I'm gonna have to reschedule some stuff. But yes, yeah, that's awesome. That's uh, something amazing that people can expect. Um, would remind us what the title of is of that one again? Uh, a queer rose journey. journey. Yes, yes, I love it so much. So, adventuring with pride, a queer rose journey, releasing in September, yeah. maybe. Yes, so, awesome. let's safely say September. September, <laughs> September. Yeah, soft, soft September, almost hard. Right. So, we always finish with something we like to do on this channel. Is uh, we we finish with uh, quick fire questions. So. Oh basically i was not warned about this no you weren't we we specifically do not warn our guests about quick fire questions because we like to keep it raw we like to it's a little bit of fun um so yes exactly so um just say that that, you know don't take too long to think but just you know whatever pops up into your head that's absolutely fine they're simple questions so i'm gonna let robin kick this off uh yes what has been your favorite game this year so Favorite game this year, I've been replaying Stardew Valley. Ooh. So it's just been Stardew Valley, pretty much. Hell yes. The, that is a, that's like, a good answer. It's quick fire, like though. That, so we're going to. I'm waiting for Saints Row. Uh, that's going to be my favorite game of the year. Or do you know? Uh, I think you've covered one of the future questions. You've just just answered a future question. Let's go. We'll All right. So you're most looking forward to Saints Row. We'll skip that one. Yes. Uh, yes. What was the one game that defined your childhood? Uh, Sims. Definitely oh. the Sims. Okay. Uh, who's your favorite video game character? uh kirby nice good good question what game do you most want a sequel to uh, oh god uh my mind's just gone completely blank uh stardew valley yeah yeah okay stardew valley too let's go cool. 
Um, if you were um, in a, a podcast opportunity or a stream or a D&D, um, who would be your dream guest yeah. to sort of sit around a table and play some D&D? Jeremy Crawford. I, I can't... <laughs> it was amazing having him here. Like, mm. mind blown. Absolutely. Now, this is Love the question that. that we have to skip. So, Robin, you got the next one. Oh, yeah, that was it, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so if you were marooned on an island, it's a very technical island, um, but you can't call for help, what three games would you want to have with you? Mm-hmm. Uh, Sims 4, Fallout 2, and I would go with Outlast. I like a bit of horror. Oh, nice. interesting choice. Uh, so mm. which game would you say has the best soundtrack? Uh, Halo 3, definitely. Good choice. Good choice. Interesting. And this final question, um, you can take your time with this one. Okay. Yes, um, it is. Where can people find your content? What have you got coming up? Um, all the shout outs, all the places people can buy your books, etc. Okay, I'm glad I take my time with this because so much stuff. Uh, so <laughs> at Jackophobia on Twitter is where you'll find my personal Twitter where I tweet uh, random D&D related tabletop LARP content. Uh, so if you like that, go over there. Uh, 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 Adv with Pride is our adventure and Pride Twitter, which is ADV with Pride. Uh, and that's where we'll have all our sort of specifically D&D related content will be posted through that. And we have outside of the third book, we have a few kind of additional projects, tabletop projects we want to kind of push out. And we'll be using that specific Twitter to like promote and like gauge interest. So mm. just any interaction there is greatly appreciated. And oh, yeah. if you... And if you're interested in actually purchasing the book, uh, you can get it on the pocketworkshop.co.uk, which is uh, the publishing uh, company we use. So we can get the hardback and digitals there. So if you're interested in the book, go over there. You can pre-order uh, A Courage Journey now, I believe, assuming that the email went through. <laughs> Hell yes. Jack, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, it's been amazing having you. And of course, shout out to Jeremy, who was... With, yes. with us um oh yeah i'm just gonna post that pocket workshop in chat for the chat to take and I'll, it'll be in the description for those of you who are watching this on youtube and stuff right and of course um a massive thank you to my lovely lovely co-host uh robin thank you for joining me too you, you're both lovely always been a pleasure yeah Hell absolutely yes. and i've thoroughly enjoyed our tabletop special yeah uh, me too oh my goodness it's, like, it's always a highlight and something to look forward to like, i don't play a lot of D. Uh, uh, or TTRPGs. I want to change that in future. I'm actually like working on my own kind of like <laughs> Pokemon themed homebrew. Oh god! Oh god! Oh, that sounds like, amazing. Like yeah, it's like it's impossible to figure out a system for that though. <laughs> like it's so it's so difficult. There's so but, many to choose from. There's so many. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. I'm looking at kids on bikes at the moment and just trying to like, <laughs> will that work? Maybe. Maybe I'm not sure. But yeah, then you got to take battles into account. It's too much. It's too much. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you both. And thank you everybody for watching, listening, doing all the things and joining us on this episode. We will be back in two weeks time for the next episode of the Gaming Podcast Live. 
Uh, we will indeed. And you can, of course, follow the Game Mag channel here on Twitch and, and on YouTube so you don't miss any of those shows. And of course, podcasts can be listened back to at any time wherever you can buy good podcasts. Uh, and if you're listening to your podcast, get over to Twitch, subscribe, twitch.tv slash gamemag, and you can watch, you can see Jack's props, you can do all those <laughs> sort of things as well. All the visual cues that we talked about, you can laugh at the terrible uh, Pokemon designs and stuff that you we had to audibly describe to you. Yes. Yes, very They're difficult. Bad. Mm. They're bad. Of course, I will also be back later this week with Let's yes. Go Gaming. And uh, I think we'll be playing Cult of the Lamb, actually, which will be You fun. will, absolutely. Um, That's going to be fun. Yeah, we'll be with um, with with two of our gaming ambassadors, uh, Panda and 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 Coda Girl-chan. Oh, oh, for the audio the listeners, there's Attack of the Cat. I think the cat now knows that we're finishing. But yeah, don't forget, <laughs> yes. we have the charity one-shot as well. Uh, on the yep. on the 20th so make sure you come back to the channel check that out but in the meantime don't forget to keep reading gaming magazine and we will see you all very very soon bye for now bye, bye. bye.